Hello and welcome to another rousing edition of Trending Topics with BB. I am your host, Brooke Brown. Well, welcome to the new episode with my guest that has been a long time coming. We will get into that shortly, but before I wanted to give a little intro, I want you to log on to the website for any updates and social media updates and anything pertaining to this podcast. There's been some updates pertaining to BB Media Industries as a whole, which this podcast is under that umbrella. So please log on to the website. And if you are a listener anywhere on the web out there, any platform that has the ability to leave a favorable rating and comment that helps this podcast tremendously, the more ratings and comments, even if it's feedback that I need to get better, helps the algorithm and suggests this to other listeners like yourself. So thank you to everybody that has done that, and please continue to leave those reviews and comments. All right, my guest on this episode is... Daxon, a well-known producer in my world of trance, euphoric, techno, anything electronic dance music. And I wanted to sit down and chat because he has just released, as of this last week, um, well, it depends on when you're listening to this episode, a new album called Face the Future, his artist debut album. And we go into depth about the album. So without further ado, I'll give you my lovely conversation with Daxon. Well, welcome to episode 161 of my podcast, everybody. Um, This has been a long time coming, but I wanted to make sure everything was good. Um, Thank you so much, Daxon, for joining uh, the podcast. We've talked about this over the years, and uh, I wanted to kind of chat a little bit about your musical background, and then we can get into the album, because I've listened to the album. Um, So welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. I know, yeah, we've been uh, trying to get a date sorted to do this, like, the, since about a year ago, I think. Yeah, yeah since group cruise. Yeah, so good that it's finally um, chatting. Good that we're finally chatting now. Awesome. So, I, you know, you you have your alias Daxon now, but you did release tracks as yourself as Dan. Yeah. Um. So, can you talk about? It? how you got into music and how you got into electronic dance music and, and what brought you to producing and, and DJing? Yeah. Um, so when I was a kid, um, we used to go on holiday as a family and I would um, have like the Euphoria CDs mixed by Dave Pierce and um, I would be listening to them and then I'd make like my own compilations as well like of all the different tracks I'd make my own CD to take on holiday and I'd listen to that but like looking back that was all trance music but at the time it was like I didn't know it as trance it was just good music or dance music because like even even back then it was on the radio and stuff um so I guess that's when I was introduced to trance without me knowing it um but then I guess as I got older I kind of went into different um, styles and uh, I started DJing when I was about 15. I had um, I bought records and belt drives and was DJing, but it wasn't trance. Um, and then from then, I kind of grew out of that as well. Um, I moved to Manchester for university and um, I remember like when because when i moved to manchester i moved into halls you like in with like a group of 10 people you don't know any of them and um when we were like getting to know each other 
one of them's like we were saying oh what type of music are you into and one of them said oh i'm into trance and i was like oh what's that <laughs> and uh they were like you know like uh i'm van buren paul van dyke um tiesto and i was like oh yeah like i know i know all them so then anyway he was like yeah you should listen to like the podcasts and um the dj mix and stuff and then we, we like so i did started like listening to all all these like djs that I, I guess i already knew but i didn't know them by name like so many years later like obviously i knew paul van dyke's music and stuff so then um when they started coming to manchester playing in the clubs we would go obviously i loved it and um i just had the passion to to just every time i watched the dj hour I, I would be the, the one that would be like oh, i want to do that and like because i'd already been doing it when i was younger um ended up buying decks again just to mess around on like to, for parties and um we uh we i would just be on them a lot like i got in a lot of trouble for them in um while i was at uni like so much so that the the neighbors would complain because of the parties loud music and stuff and then um yeah ended up getting kicked out of the place i was leaving because of uh, that but that's how that's one of the reasons why i've now got this studio because of the issues i had like 10 years ago <laughs> but it, it was uh it was just a natural progression i guess of just chasing my passion for trance awesome and what did you go to school for did you, you study music uh, no, it uh, at uni it was something completely unrelated. It was um, like a computing degree. I, I've never used it. I've never used the degree once. Uh, can't even remember what it was called now. Mult like multimedia computing, I think. But I didn't put any effort into it. And it's like what I've learned later in life is that the more you put into something, the more you get out of it. Obviously, uh, like I've learned that with the, with my um, work in music but at university I was not passionate about that subject at all and uh yeah I, I got nothing out of this <laughs> I mean I don't regret going to university because it set me on this path and I met like loads of um like interesting people for over the years um but yeah it's just funny how things change drastically after university I did I did a music production course after university though. Um that oh, was awesome. like the first step. Cool. And you mentioned that you started DJing when you were 15. So your family was supportive of this? <laughs> or were they kind of like, oh, this will just be a hobby that you Yeah, this will be a hobby. Uh like I just I was just with my parents uh, the other day for lunch and we were talking about this, how things have like developed over the years and they were saying that they just thought it was a hobby you know like they they would hate the loud music in the house and so would the neighbors <laughs> um but i'm saying i said like, well look, look now at least like you know that it was all for good reason because it wasn't just a phase that i grew out of it was it was always something like in my life that i kept coming back to <laughs> yeah and now you have your your own album to yeah, yeah. yeah so what led you to let's talk about like you, you really like i mentioned you've released under your name and then you're daxon now why the change in name 
and and kind of to go along with the alias. Well, Cold Harbor wanted something um, specific for them, like something unique, a fresh idea. And uh, when it came to it, it did feel um, like the wrong decision at the time for me because um, I'd been working so hard on Dan Dobson to get like a track onto Cold Harbor. That was my goal. And uh, yeah, it was a bit of a difficult decision because it was basically starting all over again. But looking back, it was totally the right decision because this, like, this is what I wanted to release on Cold Harbor and um, to be a Cold Harbor artist and um, the respect that I have for Martha Schultz. Like, it's it's a dream come true to now release my debut artist album on that label. Uh, like, and yeah, it's it's fine that it's a, a different alias. It, it um it's actually helped better for things like gigs, um, but it's it's just it was just I guess a little bit of a decor the detour, um, but as I said, um, it's uh, good to have like the backing of Cold Harbor and Mark Schultz to um to keep pushing me, my name. And I mean. You know I'm a fan, and I'm a fan of Cold Harbor, hence the hat. Um, but what kind of drew you to the sound of Cold Harbor? Uh, you said that was a goal of all along, whether you were yeah. under whatever name. So what what was what is it about the sound? Because obviously, you know, it's one of my favorite labels. Mm -hmm. um, so what drew you to the sound of Cold Harbor? Well, it's it's got to be Marcus, I think. Uh, like the number of times seeing him. When I say when I was at university, uh, and he'd come to the UK for in London or Birmingham or uh, you know Cream, I think I seen him on my twenty first birthday at Cream, and it was almost like a life changing night because like I I would just find the music he played and his performances like behind the decks, like so so much better than anybody any other DJ that I seen. So I guess I just connected with that sound and everything about Cold Harbor way more and uh, that just sort of pushed me into that direction that sound like I, I enjoyed all the the Cold Harbor artists as well like their music that were releasing on the label at the time um so yeah it's just be again just like a natural following my passion for the the style that I love and now I've kind of developed into my own style in, in a different way yeah so what is it like i you know for me i like that cold harbor's trance but it's has undertones of other like maybe a little bit of techno obviously they now have cold harbor black but what like how do you distinct your sound even within the label because obviously there are a lot of artists that release now on cold harbor with nifra and fisherman and yeah you know all of the artists that we've seen recently so kind of how do you describe your sound for those that have yet and then we'll get into the album yeah it's, it's always evolving i mean if you look at my first release sky garden to what i'm releasing now it's completely different sound i guess um but you could probably still tell that it's a daxon track um i think what it comes down to is like personal style when you're producing like so you can like each each producer will have their own certain sound and um 
like I know other producers that when I hear one of their tracks, I know that it's by them, even if it's like a completely different style track. And I don't think you can really ever fully escape that style. You know what I mean? Like no matter how how different your music is, you can maybe that's just a, a producer. I don't know. <laughs> but um, going back to what you asked about um, what what was it again? Sorry, the um. Well, just kind of how you, you know, as an artist, you've, you've painted your own sound that's even different than other artists on the label. Yeah, right now I would say I'm going for emotional melodies. So the melodies that I'm writing, are ones that are going to change your mood for the better. That's what I'm looking for. So that when you listen to it, you just feel like an uplifting sort of mood, I guess. That's been the main focus for the last couple of years on the, on the album tracks. That's the the style that I'm going for right now. Like if you listen to tracks like "While We Wait," like it's meant to. I don't know if it, uh, if it does to everyone, but it's meant to just uplift your mood for the better. That's a, that's the style that I'm going for. But I think with a lot of trance, not necessarily on Cold Harbor, but on other labels, other uplifting stuff is all um, like the faster BPM with like a certain style kick or like one three at 140 and it, it kind of sometimes the emotion gets lost i feel um because they're so focused on making a specific sound that they forget that trance is is supposed to be a feeling or at least it is for me yeah so let's get into that a little bit because i feel the same way recently in listening to your album did, did let's well, i guess my first question is did you kind of know that what the album order was going to be was it going to play like a mix because it kind of just every track just kind of like there's no track that i wanted to skip there's no yeah did you did you know ahead of time that the order was gonna you just kind of did you make it in that order or did you um no the order changed over time and i kept adding tracks like the and also the album was written over like almost three years. Like uh, when I um decided to start writing the out, al- like actually making an album that was in twenty twenty. But at that point, I already had like four of the tracks written from two thousand nineteen that I, I was just sort of like I'd wrote and I just kind of left to the side for something in the future. But yeah, the, the order it did change um it also depended on the tracks that we'd already released leading up to the album as well um but as i said i didn't want to do it as a sort of dj set where it is like a one hour mix do you know what i mean i wanted it to be separate tracks because i think each track is different in its own unique way um but yeah there was also 18 tracks on the album I was a bit um, wary of putting that many on because it is a lot of music. Um, but as I said, there were these 18 tracks, I couldn't choose one to to leave off um, because they all mean so much to me and, and, I, and I genuinely love the music. But there were so many other tracks that were written for the album uh, that were good, but they just I just didn't feel that they sort of fit, either fitted the theme or they just they, they didn't really hit me in the same way that the melodies that are on the album do um so i feel like these 18 uh, um are the the best ones that i've written in the, in that time 
um, I mean, even I, there was a track that um, I wrote in 2020, and it had a completely different feel to it. Uh, and we were going to put it on the album, and we decided not to. But now, actually, that one's become the transmission theme. Um, and that was decided pretty much like a month after we delivered the album almost so like i mean if it had been the other way around then it would have been on the album um and there would be 19 tracks because it, it was definitely one of the strong ones for the album but we decided to keep it for something in the future like a, a festival but we didn't realize that tr transmission was going to be happening so soon <laughs> so kind of to, to backtrack for those that haven't didn't see that you were on a state of trance recently and, and kind of talked to ruben but what it, what is face the future like what was your motivation in naming the album and kind of as you've mentioned it's gonna it's an uplifting album yeah. so what the, was the motivation uh, behind that it took me ages to name the album i wanted something to just sum up everything that i was going through and that other people could possibly relate to because i didn't want the album to be specifically about what i've gone through I just wanted it to be, to represent like the hur the hurdles in life that everyone faces unexpectedly and how you can move forward and get over them to just to just progress through your life because it's sometimes things are thrown in your way for example um like losing somebody a lot of people um maybe lose like a parent or a child or a close friend you know and, and suddenly they're thrown in this situation where they've got this grief and like i think with the album title somebody that's going through that could relate to what they're going through but also it could the, i think a lot of people could relate to it for other reasons because like thankfully i haven't lost anybody yet um but I just wanted it to be sort of an open-ended message that other people could relate to rather than one particular subject. And that was the same for the lyrics as well on the album. So they're not tied down to one particular subject. Awesome. And so did you, you mentioned that you kind of had a few tracks written already in 2019. So did you kind of already know kind of the direction you were going then when you began the album or did it uh, kind of evolve over the last few years yeah it did it did evolve i guess while we were it had a big influence um on the sound that i wanted um but i mean the ones that were written in 2019 it was um the so there were all instrumentals at the time it was in the darkness which turned into a vocal track eventually um the only way which was literally just a melody like nothing else like not a full track which also turned into a vocal track <laughs> and uh now and ever which also turned into a vocal track actually <laughs> um and i think there was maybe one more from 2019 well sonder i think sonder was written before before all of that um but yeah I'd, I'd just the um they just developed over time i guess thinking back like 2020 was a really productive year because of covid there was no distractions 
And yeah, you mentioned that they all kind of turn into vocal tracks. Is did you like when you wrote them? Did you think that that's the direction they were going to go, or did you notice that that was kind of, you know, those were the melodies and those were the you know beats that you were like, oh, this could be a great vocal track. Yeah, in the darkness was definitely written as a vocal track, and it took like three different vocalists to finally get the right one. That. that that was like the first one written for the album and the last one to finish. Um, the only way that was written as an instrumental at first, it was just a, well, it was in just a melody. And then I think in 2020, I decided to change it into a vocal track. But again, it took me well over a year to find a vocalist for it. And um, what was the other ones now and ever? Yeah, that was also an instrumental for a long time. And then Later in 2020, I decided to change that into a vocal track. I would say the vocals took so long for this album. And uh, so I, I felt I'd finished all the music at the end of 2020. That's when I sent it to Cold Harbor. Um, and after that, I think there was only three more tracks written uh, that were added to the rest of the time. It was just going over and over the mixes and then trying to find vocalists. It was such a long process. And when you sent, you know, kind of like your, your first drafts of those tracks to Cold Harbor, did you think that it was going to evolve into, like you said, 18 tracks of an album, or did you think it was going to be shorter initially? No, I think I think there was probably more than 18 tracks when I first sent it because there was different ideas. Um, it was basically just a draft album, and. Um, I, I guess I didn't, I think I, I think I had 15 in my head, like 15 tracks, but then I had the intro and the outro, and I thought, well, they aren't like full tracks that you can release as extended, because so, that would kind of make it a, a 13 track album with an in, like, and then an intro and outro, so it'd be 15 tracks, so I thought, okay, I'll do 15 tracks plus an intro and outro, and then there was just more added after that as well. <laughs> And I guess in our in the industry now, not too many people are releasing a full album. Mm -hmm. um, I I still love full albums, but you know, you know, people just release tracks or a couple tracks here or there. What like obviously you've been, you've been releasing tracks for a while. When did you initially get the idea? Hey, this is I need a full body of work. I'm working on something. I got ideas. Yeah, that want to be an was, album and not just like tracks here and there yeah that came about the idea came about at this like in march april 2020 when the um gig stopped during covid because so i would always um make music for upcoming shows and once they were taken away from us i had i kind of felt a little bit lost so i started started doing like youtube videos uh on you know, little tips and uh, tricks for other producers. But then I was deciding, I was, it's not really what I want to do. I want to make music. And I just thought, why well, don't I try and just write tracks for an album? If it doesn't turn out, then it doesn't matter. I'm still, you know, going to be working towards something. But then as the months went on, I just kept writing, you know, melody after melody that I felt was good enough and, 
by the time it got to November in 2020, I had all these tracks and the ones from 2019, I thought, well, here we go. We got something here that could possibly be an album with once we got vocalists at least as well. So during the process, um, did, did you think that you were gonna do more collaborations other than with vocalists or, cause I know you've worked with other artists on the label and Marcus himself over the years. So did you think it was gonna be a more collaborative album or did you want it to be, you know, your baby? Yeah, that's what, that's what I felt. I just wanted it to be all that. I didn't want any collabs except for the vocals for this one. I just thought my first album, it should be all my music because once you start collaborating, like even with the vocalists, it's different ideas and it, it kind of changes the narrative a little bit. And um, for me, I just I just had this specific vision of how I wanted the album to be. And I just thought the best way to present that is to, to do the music all myself. Um, I think if I was to do an album again, I'd definitely do collabs um, with other producers as well, just to, to add some variation. But for my first one, I just wanted it to be all my all my stuff. Awesome. Well, I was just curious because, I mean, in this day and age, a lot of times people are collaborating for different yeah. reasons. Um, mm -hmm. But especially in trance right now, because I think, you know, there's a lot of different opinions on kind of how to do it. So I was just curious what your motivation was. But in going through, I know kind of when you kind of gave me the, the inside scoop back on the Groove Cruise months ago, um, I know you had a set during Cold Harbor Day and you played a lot of IDs. Was it just strictly, you know, from the album where you, you were like, yeah, I'm waiting to drop these or... <laughs> When was I've the, heard it also over the year in Marcus's sets. He's been playing your, your, I mean, I just saw Marcus last weekend in Vegas and he dropped a few of your tracks and the crowd went wild. So <laughs> that's good. Yeah. Like the IDs have been just showing up here and there, especially, you know, through COVID when Nifra was streaming and Fishman was streaming and yeah, you know, yeah, it, was, it was hard to, like hold some back because I say like once you've made something you just want to show it to someone I think that's just natural as as a producer you, like the first thing you want to do when you make something that you like is to share it like that's kind of what DJing is isn't it like sharing music um so yeah the, the ideas that have been about for a long time like I, I can't remember the the set you're talking about the the Cold Harbor Day one I'm not sure because there's been so many yeah. cold houses, uh since like COVID uh, three, I think I don't know, or two. Um, but it, the um, I what I did was a sunrise set in uh, the middle of two thousand and twenty-one, because I originally I thought the album was going to be released at the end of two thousand twenty-one at the latest, uh, and here we are <laughs> in October two thousand twenty-two. <laughs> There's just been that many delays. But yeah, I did the Sunrise set with uh, the Dream State Artist series. And that set, um, I decided to play a lot of the album music because just for promotion as well, like you can use the content of the, the Sunrise of me playing the music to promote the track. So we did that for some of the singles as they were released in 2021 and, and this year. But it was great because gigs still weren't really back then. Um, so the first part of 2021, as well as the album, 
I spent like pretty much five or six months just working on bootlegs for the Sunrise set, which I now play in my DJ sets as well. But there was it was great because it was almost like working towards like a big gig, but it was just me playing on a bit of grass <laughs> with the sunrise in the background. Um, but yeah, as it's at the IDs, as you say, they've been, I've been playing them for a long time now. They, they, it's funny because the music has only just been released, but to me, you know, the, these tracks are quite old now. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, you mentioned bootlegs. So kind of get into, my question is, is about like how you set up your sets as DJs because I know you're work, you know, you're working on these tracks, and and obviously sometimes on global DJ broadcasts, you know, we see IDs that Marcus drops, and but then you know we might hear it in sets. But can you kind of talk about how like the bootlegs are a little bit different from mixing compared to what we hear on the album? Yeah, so the the bootlegs. I mean, I still like to do them in my style, but what's good is you can take a well-known track and put your own twist on it. I feel that when you play tracks that are more well-known, crowds react better to them straight away because sometimes they might need to hear a melody a few times before they connect to it. But with a bootleg, if they hear like a vocal or a melody that they know from in the past, they just instantly switch on a bit more and they can relate to it better and people just seem to enjoy music that they already know I find like it I mean I, I love playing IDs but it does sometimes take a long time for an IT an ID to become a track that people need to hear do you know what I mean so with right. bootlegs it's a good way of playing new music but it's it's old music in a new way yeah I mean you've had a few bootlegs that have dropped that Everybody kind of goes, whoa, I haven't heard that melody in a while. Or yeah, uh, the 9 p.m. one. Yeah. Like people, that one kind of goes crazy. Knows that track, don't they? Yeah. I, I think it's one of those like nostalgic trance tracks that like we heard a long time ago and then like yeah. people didn't play for a very long time. Yeah. <laughs> and then now it's kind of known as a classic track that people are dropping. Um, yeah, exactly. So I know you can't really talk about details coming up for the Groove Cruise, but other than the fact that you're going to be on the Groove Cruise again and I will be seeing you in person again. Yeah, um, so now that the album's out, are you, are, you, you know, and you've, you've been, I know you can't stop producing music. So have you been working on new music going forward? Yeah, there's already the next few releases lined up. Uh, going into next year like we've still got some of the extended mixes from the album to release but there's still new music there's um there's another vocal one coming out in november i think december uh there's the transmission anthem there's uh first light which is my first techno track but it's like got lots of trance influences it was featured on in search of sunrise um and then i've got countless amount of tracks that I've been working on as well that uh, I don't know what I'm going to do with them yet or if it's going to turn into another album um, but I, I, I don't know I, I, just, I, say I just can't stop making music it's a, an addiction for me and if I don't write music like if I'm busy with gigs or whatever then it kind of builds up inside me to the 
point where and like I just feel that I need to write a melody and then that's sometimes when the good ones come because you've had a bit of a break from writing melodies and it just all comes out of you that's what I find so I'm kind of hoping that happens again soon awesome I'm curious how did the track end up on In Search of Sunrise was it 18 or 19 we're on the latest um, one yeah it's a great track how like um first of all i'm glad that marcus has kept in search of sunrise going um mm -hmm. and with very you know various other artists but why was that track chosen for that mix well, i think the style that marcus is uh, pushing right now is the euphoric techno and um when we were together in the studio in miami after groove cruise at the start of this year he was showing me all of his new tracks uh all the euphoric techno and the extracts that he's releasing now i was really inspired by that sound and it and his transmission set last year which was this whole new fusion of trance and techno you got the euphoric break with the the techno rumble and drive which is amazing uh, so i was really inspired by that and um I was just working on a lot of techno stuff earlier this year and that was one of them that I wrote and um, I sent it to them and um, it had a bit of a different drop at first, it kind of changed into another track and uh, basically the, the feedback was to just keep it the original idea from the breakdown and then go back into the techno drop so I changed it and sent it back over to them, not really like with the intention to have it on In Search of Sunrise. But then when they said that they were looking for tracks for In Search of Sunrise, they, they decided to use that one uh, on the mixes. It, it just fit the, the style that they were looking for, which is great. Yeah. I mean, yeah, Marcus is, you know, is known for these rabbit hole sets and um, releasing as his alias Dakota. So I was just curious how that came about because th that, and I feel so will your techno i'm probably you probably can't tell me but I, will your techno track be for cold harbor black or will it be on another label uh, yeah pretty sure no it'll be on cold harbor black i'm pretty sure okay awesome and so what is kind of other than the music i know you have the transmission theme is there going to be kind of a, a set around the theme for transmission because well, I know transmissions kind of changed this year based on how things were scheduled. Yeah, well, transmissions obviously on my mind a lot coming up at the end of this month, and it's uh, for sure going to be the biggest uh, arena that I've uh, or stage that I've played on. But um, yeah, I mean, I can't say what I'm going to play yet. But um, you know, the, right now this period of time is um, like still in the album phase. I, like I've just worked on all this music for um you know the best part of three years so if there's a time to play the music from the album it's going to be now um but yeah i'm working on bootlegs and stuff as well just to, to keep it interesting yeah and you played at luminosity your sets up on on youtube what was that experience playing on the beach to to like a crowd that was ready for your for your music it was great yeah it was it was fun because I, w I wasn't too sure what to expect. I was I was on second on the last day, so 
I was a bit worried, you know, after four days, maybe people would be a bit tired and uh, there wouldn't be much energy. But as the set progressed, the energy just kept getting more and more. And I was playing a lot of the album tracks for the first time there. And the reactions were so good. It was it was such a fun set to play. Um, it was like a greenhouse, though, and that um, they had like a tent thing over it and it was dead sunny. So I was, I was really hot. <laughs> But yeah, I absolutely loved Luminosity. It was uh, so good to play there finally. As I've been waiting to play there for like a couple of years because it kept getting delayed because of the COVID situation and stuff. Um, but yeah, it was such a good crowd that day. Everyone was really, really up for it. Is there a festival or club that you're dying to play that you haven't played yet? Yeah, I think everyone wants to play at a state of trance. Um, I love play at State of Trance and uh, Dream State as well. Still haven't played for Dream State in the US. Um, so them two are for sure are my, um, my goals for the coming the coming months of the next year. Awesome. And, and like I said, we've you. I think we've been on the same groove cruises, to be honest. Yeah. Can you explain what it's like to play on, like the, on a ship full of... <laughs> Your people, because the group cruise is just another level, which is why I keep returning. But it's um, it's just so interesting. Uh, like all the different mixtures of people that are on board, just in their own little world, having a good time. It's um, it's so unique because, like, everyone, everyone that's there, they kind of just let go of like. I know people do, I guess, on a trance night or just in clubbing in general, they kind of forget about all the worries. But this is like four days in, I think, obviously, I think the weather plays a good part, or at least for me, because I'm not used to having amazing weather like that in January. It's just unique. Like, this, it's, it's just a fun atmosphere, isn't it? Like, everyone just having a good time yeah. on this huge cruise ship in the middle of like the ocean like with amazing weather and some of the best DJs in the world it's, it's like and just I guess it's the, the way people dress as well or like sometimes not really dressing up <laughs> just like yeah. not, not not much clothing <laughs> yeah I mean you know I love that you can go all out with the themes on group cruise or some people don't or yeah. some people do in between but like Everybody's having a good time, and yeah, some people really do go all out. Like the the costumes are amazing. <laughs> yeah, they're they're better than I can do. I just I'm just happy to be there. Um, yeah. Awesome. Well, I guess because uh, we're to this, what is other than Marcus and you know the artists that you've mentioned? Do you have any other musical influences that kind of drove you within the scene or any mentors other than who we've spoke about um well there's always uh certain producers that i i look up to and admire like giuseppe ottaviani i think he's a genius um the amount of amazing like music that he's released in the last decade is insane like is I just think he's an absolute genius for the um, creativity and the melodies that he's come up with. Um, but for like production, I really uh, love old Sand Van Dorn. 
and Audra Nielsen. I always find myself listening to their stuff. And um, yeah, them are the main ones that I find myself going back to for inspiration whenever I, I feel I, I need a just an, an injection of um, creativity on my music. Yeah, like how do you distinct, I mean, how does one, I always wonder, you've had a lot of influences and you've been in the scene for a long time and you you worked through this in college and you were a DJ. How do you keep from kind of copying sounds that you've heard to make your own sound? Well, I guess the difference between copying and being influenced is, yeah, copying would be you're literally just listening to someone else's work and you're just recreating it. Whereas being influenced is you might listen to like a track and you're like, oh, I kind of like that groove and you, you like try something that's just influenced by it. So it's not exactly the same. You do, It just gives you a similar sort of feeling. Or like I listen to a melody and I'm like, I really like the way that that melody sort of like, I can feel the melody rather than um, like it just sounds good like it, it changes your mood and so then I'm influenced to try and write a melody that hits me in that sort of way rather than because if you just copy a melody then it's, it's pretty obvious that you've you know just copy someone else's work so you, it's it's obvious when that happens to being influenced that's I guess that's the difference yeah because I don't know there's whole kind of debates on you know when people try to steal somebody else's sound or um i guess in the world of remixing and reconstructions of tracks you know what makes the track unique remix versus like the original track yeah well i guess that's a beauty of music other people some people like the original some people like the remix it's uh it's all subjective isn't it Different people, yeah. different people's tastes. Everyone's different. Speaking of, will you be doing remixes of this album? I think so. Yeah, not at the minute. I think I want to let the originals like have their own time to shine, and then um, later down the line, I'm sure we'll get some remixes. Uh, just depends what we can do it's just uh once you start working with other people or getting other people involved then things just seem to take time that's what i've learned so i might just remix them myself <laughs> well awesome well for those that have not picked up an, the album check out face the future it's on no. all all on the digital and i'm sure it's you can order it yeah you can order yes. the actual cd as pictured right there um, for those that collect. Um, uh, it feels so good to actually uh, hold it, finally. I bet. All your hard work. And uh, your Daxon music pretty much everywhere on social media, correct? Yeah, that's right. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining the podcast. Uh, Thanks for having me. Um, it's been a long time coming, but I'm glad we can make it work. And everybody go check out the album. It's amazing. Um, yeah. So, I'll see uh, you on group, Chris. Yeah, definitely. We'll see you on group cruise. All right. Thanks, everybody, for watching or listening, and uh, be safe out there. Thanks. See you soon.